Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths, and welcome to the show. We have such a fabulous guest to introduce you to and some wonderful concepts and new ways of thinking about what the American dream is, what your idea of success is, and where you should focus your goals as we welcome in this new year. So let me introduce you to our guest. Steve Farrell attained the pinnacle of success as a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, founding two high-tech firms. Then he pivoted to lead Humanity's Team, a global nonprofit helping people everywhere awaken to our interconnectedness through platforms such as their new Humanity Stream Plus streaming service. After contributing to the Gold Nautilus award-winning book, Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future, Steve's new book, A New Universal Dream, details his journey from a young entrepreneur to a life in service to humanity. Welcome to the show, Steve. We're so excited to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, Samantha and Denise, and so excited to be here with you. You know, reading about your story, which I really would love for you to highlight the the main points for our listeners so they can get to know more about you. I kept thinking of this quote from Jim Carrey that, I don't know, it has always stayed with me where he said, if I had one wish for the world, it would be that everyone could get the pinnacle of success that they wish for so they could realize that it's not what they want. It's not going to fulfill every need. I'm misquoting him, but that's basically what he said. Can you tell us how you kind of discovered that same thing yourself? I can, yeah. And gosh, as you mentioned, you know, that book um, that uh, recently came called The Universal Dream, I carry the my personal story from, uh, it's over 50 years from age 12, you know, single mom, divorced, and six sibling, pretty big home, uh, or, or big lots of brothers and sisters, little home, about 1,200 square feet, uh, to, to really what was pretty remarkable, where I, I landed right out of college, you know, out in Silicon Valley. Uh, and after a couple of jobs, I, I started a company, actually two, one after the other, and really was in the right place at the right time, because the internet was being born. And I was, these companies were in this whole data uh, migration, data integration area, and uh, we were servicing large companies like we were even in Apple and Esprit and The Gap and, you know, big, big organizations like that first just on the West Coast. And then we went over to the East Coast. And so we uh, grew this company, our first one, from two guys used furniture in a teeny little, very inexpensive uh, executive suite to a $75 million organization, 170 over 175 people. And then we birthed another company inside of that that we took to uh, over 750 people in two years. So we ventured back that one. Now, so that landed me in the center of, of wealth creation. And then this whole 
world that young people and my generation, I'm a boomer, you know, that we grew up in where it's kind of the upper tiers, I'll call it, of the American dream, where beyond just equality and equal education, which we want for every child in the whole world, this is this is where we're climbing up into this whole fame and fortune and power over world. And uh, so I, I had access to that. And I was in the business associations with the current governor of California, the uh, guy that leads the largest real estate equity trust rate in the whole world. People like that because of uh, these companies I'd started. I was invited into those kinds of groups. And, and candidly, what I found is that this, I'll call it old American dream, you know, that it's a mirage. Uh, it's a mirage because what happens here is you're just, um, you, you're fortunate, your company hits it, it's on to something big and you're, I'll call it minting money, you know. But as you get to a certain size, uh, say 50 million, you'll celebrate for 48 hours and then then you're on to 100 million. <laughs> you know? And then you get that number and you celebrate for 48 hours then you're on to 200 million. And so it goes. And the pressure and stress on relationships is huge. Financial gain you can see is is hollow where it's just financial gain for the sake of financial gain. And so this was all happening to me in the 90s. And even then, as I was looking around at the world around me, I could see, you know, climate change was still huge then. Uh, and all of these basic needs being met, you know, and things. And uh, so I had a lot of cognitive dissonance. Uh, and yes, you know, growing up in a little home, divorced mom, I was like, wow, you know, by uh, private jets and things like that. Uh, but there was, but the cognitive dissonance was even louder. You know, is this really what your life was to be? Is this really what you can contribute? Is this really where you want to take your life? And and so I, I went and had my own awakening experience, where I'm becoming conscious, and then uh, and then just I left all of that behind. I uh, sold everything. I left the business association. I moved my family to Boulder. I launched Humanities Team with Neil Donald Walsh. He wrote. The conversations with God books and and then I found you know the real delicious life that we want for every kid and every person on the planet which we call in humanities team conscious living wow speak to those of us solidly in the middle class there's no way the celebration only lasts 48 hours because I'm thinking you must have like bought your mom a house or just been able to you know just fulfill these amazing dreams well, so what we did is we actually gave 20% of that uh, when we sold the first company to NEC, this Japanese conglomerate, we gave 20% right back to the employees. And it was just a, it was a decision we made in the last few weeks. So it was a total shock to them when they could see, oh my God, you know, the kind of money that they were all going to, going to get. Um, and then we paid taxes. And then we were, you know, with my wife, fortunately, she agreed that when I came to her and said, I, you know, I, <laughs> I am called to this conscious journey. I don't know. I have no idea where it's going to take us. And I'm not sure I'll ever get another paycheck again in my whole life. You know, and I'm sorry to have to come to you like this, but I'm called to it. And fortunately she said, you know, I'm in, Hey, let's do it. Let's go. And we'll start a family, you know, on this new, this new journey. Of course, I tell that story um, in my book. And so my big splurge was I went out with Stephanie. We had a, a personal shopper buy a bunch of clothes with us. And and I was like, oh, my, you know, it was horrible. I have all these clothes. I didn't know what. I go into my closet and I go, oh, my God, what? In the, I got 50 choices. Now what am I going to wear? You know, and 
So that was the end of that. And, and, and there were no more splurges after that. Oh, I love that. What is interesting is that I also grew up very blue collar, very working class. And I think if you're brought up in a certain demographic or socioeconomic place and you do achieve some level of success that brings you out of that comfort zone of what you're familiar with, it's a weird place to be because you have options and choices you may never have expected to have. So when you're all of a sudden on a private jet, I'm sure there was some part of you that was like, holy this is amazing, you know, and, and I think that's a whole part, but then it really always comes back to, from what you're saying, that my gut feeling with this is, how can I best be of service? And I'm sure what you were doing was really, really important work, but now you've shifted that to more of how can I help humanity, not just this little tiny piece of humanity. So what would be the the real premise of how do you how do you really view your service work in this? And I know that's kind of an odd question, but I think it's the the real crux of all of it. Yeah. So what what this turned out to be? See, as I was leaving my home right out of college, uh, like probably all of us coming out of college, or just if we're coming out of high school, you know, it's it's this oh, it's it's this adventure, right? And discovery and treasure, and you know, and be my best self. And we're just full of hope and possibility, right? As we leave, and I had these older conceptions of kind of the whole. American dream, but, but, you know, where it'd be a great company, not just making a bunch of money. Um, Cause I actually never was about that. Um, but what, what I found were all these things that uh, there was just tremendous learning and growth for me. And that was why I wrote the book because it was like, wow, all these conceptions I had, you know, were off. It, it turned out what I now call it is the great migration to conscious living that we're all on. It's like, you know, here in the Northern Hemisphere, the whales are all heading south and uh, we can see Canadian geese and birds flying over and heading south. And likewise, and this isn't being reported in the press, but humanity's on this great migration right now to conscious living. We're we're all uh, migrating to this whole new way of living. And this, it turns out that's what my journey was. It turns out that that, that stop in Silicon Valley where I was at the center of wealth creation, that was just a little part of the journey. The real journey, the important journey was uh, beyond that, where I learned what conscious living is and what I became. And then with Neil Donald Walsh launching Humanities Team, which you mentioned the streaming platform, where we're all about uh, creating incredible transformational education from scientists and spiritual leaders and philosophers and conscious business leaders and body practices. We're doing one now with a woman named Ting Ting who created her own embodied practice that brings a little yoga and Qigong, which is where you're really breathing and you're you're just, you're in this holy place. Uh, so the, the premise of the book really is this whole great migration to conscious living, I call it. And, and I'll give you three uh, key decisions. Of course, the book is full of all of these decisions and learning. I tell on myself throughout, my sister said, Steve, you know, you were nice to everybody in your book, but yourself. <laughs> and I said, well, I just wanted to, I wasn't going to write a book about, you know, <laughs> that just was to make me look good. If I'm going to go through the effort to write a book, I'll tell the truth, you know, and there were a lot of challenging moments there, you know, still are. But uh, so the three decisions, one, that uh, to to listen to that still small voice and be guided by it. So we call that our soul's calling. 
in humanity's team because the worldly noise, you know, where there's well-meaning, our family, our friends, coworkers, they're just trying to help, you know, and conscious living is, uh, is pretty scary to a lot of people. So I had family members begging me, you know, praying, oh, don't, you know, don't do that. Uh, and because they love me, you know, they, they it's, it was totally appropriate. But but I, I fortunately said, I know, I know this is really what is mine to do, you know, and I followed that still small voice. Thank goodness I have. Uh, and that would be that's one really important decision. A second one is more is a process then, which was my process. And it starts with awareness. I mentioned cognitive dissonance and things and where we're really paying attention. What's going on for me, you know? And how does life really feel and how with my partner and coworkers? And uh, because there's a lot that we don't really pay attention to, I found out. And as I started paying close attention, I was like, wow, that's interesting. You know, learning a lot about myself and others, the world around me. Uh, the second one then is, is uh, education. So uh, educating ourselves on conscious living because we didn't grow up this way. You know, we grew up as I'm separate. I'm, this is my body. I've got one life to live, you know, and it's totally appropriate to just go like be Elon Musk and I'm going to make a gazillion dollars. You know, if I'm just my body and I'm separated from everything else and, and I have one life to live. But as we learn consciously, no, my God, you know, there's a universal consciousness animating all of life goes by lots of different names. We call it the divine and humanities team. But my scientist friends, universe, cosmos, life works fine. Um, and that's a whole different way of living where we're a part of this super organism inseparable from, and where we have those same properties, everlasting life, unlimited potential, and these kinds of things. So education, third one, living into uh, the education. So that's the embodiment and the expression part, which is the real juicy part. It's one thing to understand, you know, sort of logic center of our mind. It's another to really come into, I'll call it the wisdom center of our soul, where we're really living into this. This is our life now. And then the fourth one is what we're doing here now, which is engaging others, uh, not proselytizing. You know, we don't need to do that. Don't want to do that. We all push people away that want proselytize stuff. Just telling, you know, their story of kind of how it works, what they're looking at, what's their truth and stuff. So those four things. Now, the third decision is the biggie, which naturally happens which is that we actually open to a whole new self-identification, a new, we, in, in a sense, it's our self-realization thing where uh, I see that, my God, you know, I'm not, my Linda and Joe, I'm, I'm, yes, they brought me into this world, the airport terminal of sorts, but I actually came from the most high, you know, as you did, <laughs> as the earth did. All of us is one thing, right? I came from the most high. Uh, that's a, as I mentioned earlier, that's an entirely different way of living your life. You know, you just, you, you, the world is sacred. It's beautiful. It's, it's different, you know? So, uh, so that's the third important decision is that we just open ourselves to our own true understanding of what life is and, and, uh, and allow it to unfold into the fullness of what it's going to become. And I'll stop there. I like the way you call it decisions because it puts the onus on us. And I think that's really, really important. You see a lot of people going through spiritual awakenings and often they search outside of themselves, right? And they want a guru, a mentor, a teacher, a coach, which is fine, but the answers are within us. And we have to make that decision every day to be conscious, to 
search within, to be observant of the present moment. And I think that is so, so important. You talk a lot about this idea of a new universal dream and how it's different from the way many of us were raised, which was to go achieve, get, and uh, just keep you know, that next rung on the ladder, as you were mentioning earlier, what is the new universal dream? The new universal dream is where we're just living into ultimate reality, as it turns out. We're actually not creating anything new at all. You know, when we talk about oneness or diversity and unity or divine presence or divinity or something, we are not creating anything new. This is what, from the time of the Big Bang, or some now call it the Big Breath, uh, it's actually always been this way, you know, that there's always been a universal presence animating all of life. So, and mystics, of course, down through the ages, you know, Hippocrates, if you study this, this was part of my whole awakening experience and Plato, you know, 450 BCE, you know, they were saying there's one consciousness, one flow. And then all the scientists came in, Erwin Schrodinger in 1931, you know, Nobel Prize winner, uh, turns out there's only one uh, presence, you know, one one consciousness of which we are all a part. And of course, Albert Einstein, all of these scientists, many now that are making it their work that are saying, no, this is true. This is the quantum physics realm, of course, where we see that everything's deeply interconnected and interrelated and interdependent. So it's not the Newtonian Darwinian uh, thing that we all grew up with, you know, which is this separated body, one life to live and stuff. And where we, uh, where we live into that, uh, this is where we come into this whole new reality. Where let me let me just bring something in, like so, for blue collar, you know, really, really just make an ends meet, you know, of okay, give me something that's practical, that's grounded. That why does this have any importance to me at all? So, and here it is for me. Um, it for me. I noticed when I was growing up in this world, you know, this separate world and stuff, when I was a kid, I'd go into my friends' homes. And I remember the parents, usually it was the mom because dad was away. And and just the way they looked at me and, you know, I was kind of a second or third class citizen to their own kids. And and I didn't have any words to put around that. I just thought, you know, there, there were the exceptions, the really beautiful, you know, people that really just, you could feel this warm energy. I even had a paper out, so I had to go into a lot of homes and collect. And just the way they looked at me and the way I felt kind of like, I don't know, a second or third class citizen or something. What I now call that is transactional living, where, you know, I've got these um, needs. And if you do this for me, I'll do this for you, which is transactional. And that's painful. So blue collar I think, you know, and all of us for that matter, we grow up this way is my experience. You've got the few maybe with mystical parents or something, uh, but it's rare. Most of us grew up in a transactional world and maybe a little bit of relational, but the divine presence thing that I'm talking about, where you see this beauty, this blessing, this sacred, that we're all on this everlasting mission, eternal mission, right? Uh, life is really super sacred. Now, I never felt that walking into any home or any workplace or anywhere, candidly. You know, I've just, it, as my life unfolded in this conscious living thing, this migration, I was like, wow, this is what it, you know, this, and this is, this is what I was thinking I'd find in Silicon Valley that I never did. In humanities team and all these programs we create, this is what they're about, is to let people feel this raft that floats above the roller coaster of life of, oh, this is a bad day. And today's a pretty good day, you know, like 
So most of us grew up. Now it's like a raft. We still have all of our challenges. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's plenty of challenges. It's just that we encounter them and we live in a very different way with those challenges. It's more from a place of equanimity, from a place of peace, from a place of awareness that uh, there's guidance even from the afterlife and stuff. We work with mediums and NDE and humanities team, which so I well understand the, the non-physical realm that's here too. So I'll leave it at that. That's one of my most passionate topics is that we all have the ability, no matter where we are on the planet, no matter who we are, no matter our background, to tap into that collective consciousness, because we all have that that seed of light in us. And I think that's what you're promoting with your work is that this is the blunt version. Stop making excuses that it's out of your reach or that you can't be a part of it, because as human beings, as a species on the planet, we all have an intrinsic right to tap into that. And personally, and I think you, you and I chatted on this a bit before we started recording, is that that's the key to bringing humanity together as one. So this isn't about the divisiveness. This isn't about politics. This isn't about economics. This is about an inhuman intrinsic ability to come together and take care of each other. Yes, it is. And and. To this point, so this is really important. I, I started with awareness and worked my way through education and body engaged. But there's actually a, first, a step even before that for most people, which, which brings this in, which is there's so many people right now post-COVID that are really challenged. You know, the weary, sort of disempowered anxiety, sometimes even depression, these things. And so where it needs to start is actually with self-compassion, you know, just huge self-compassion of, wow, you know, it's been hard. I've been challenged, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a lot. Uh, and just let that kind of open to the universe, you know, and, and let the sort of the love of that of the universe. And with the, with a little bit of conscious education, we understand we're actually being rained on, I'll call it, you know, with unconditional love always that because we're a part of we're inseparable from the whole, from God from the universe. Uh, so of course, we're loved beyond measure, you know, of course. So if we can just get a little bit of that in, and just open and just, you know, God, I, you know, I want to, I deserve um, love and healing and compassion and to work through the trauma that I've experienced, you know, uh, and just kind of uh, get that going. Uh, then we can come into these other things. But a lot of times we need to start there. And as you've both mentioned, you know, what's so important is, is that we don't allow ourselves to fall into the victim trap because there actually are no victims or villains, which is kind of a hard one to believe, but this is really what this uh, wisdom is sharing. There are no victims or villains. We have total responsibility for our life and these things that are in our life that are challenges, even huge challenges, you know, we, it's probably part of the design of our life, you know, to just be the light in the, in, in darkness that you could call it. Uh, so, but Such we don't want to, and I, even in my family, I have a member's uh, that are experiencing being victims. So I know, you know, I'm not living, I live in the same world you all do, you know, uh, but that's, that's, that's our job, you know, to just encourage, invite, support, um, just listen sometimes, you know, just be there for people because this is our moment. This is our yeah. moment. It is. And, and to recognize that, as you've been saying, we are all connected and you've talked about working with some fabulous scientists can you talk about how science is starting to kind of prove this this idea of oneness and interconnectedness among us, all, all of us? 
I can. Um, boy, contemporary scientists, you know, Nassim Harriman with his whole unified field uh, theory and research. And we created a, we actually created a, a masterclass with him and Greg Braden called Forbidden Science, uh, which they insisted on that name because you can't bring the unified field science into the classroom today in the United States. Isn't that amazing? You can't bring mm -hmm. it in, you know? So we created a masterclass around it, but um, so here's, let me just share a little bit of science because somebody that can't get there from spirituality or Ken Wilber and philosophy and things, you can get there now in science. It's a solid track. So Erwin uh, Schrodinger, I mentioned, Nobel Prize for Physics, 1933, quote, quantum physics thus reveals a basic oneness of the universe. And then a second quote, the total number of minds in the universe is one. In fact, consciousness is a singularity phasing within all beings. Max Planck, I won't read his longer quote. He was Nobel Prize for Physics, 1918. 1921, Albert Einstein, greatest, probably most renowned scientist that's walked the planet. So that's 103 years ago. He said, the greatest illusion in the world is the illusion of separation. Then he had the longer quote, which most of us are familiar with, that we have this optical delusion, you know, that we suffer from that creates a prison for us. And he says, our job must be to free ourselves from this prison and see this wholeness and affinity for all of humankind in the world around us. So this was like 100 years ago, right? So this is actually uh, humanity's team. We, we stand on the shoulders of these scientists is how we see it. This is what they, they their science observed this. Nassim Harriman with his current Unified Field uh, Research, the Nobel Prize for Physics, which is, you could call it Settled Science, uh, October last year, three researchers, entanglement. Look at the Dictionary of Entanglement. You have two things that can be opposite sides of this massive universe, no physical connection at all, and they're massively affecting each other. <laughs> what is that? Right? This is bringing in this deeply interconnected, interrelated, interdependent universe. And the scientists of today, like Nassim Harriman, uh, who's done master classes with us, he sounds like a preacher because he says, you know, if you understood that you were inseparable from the universe, the universe cannot be without you. Do you know what kind of posture you'd walk around in? You know, do you, do you know how empowered you would feel? This is a scientist, right? So you don't even have to go with the mystics if, if your thing is science. Yeah, that's so true. For me personally, Nature is is the key. Getting quiet, going in nature, being connected with all all that is. It, it, I think we're all interconnected. What are some things that people can do? Because none of this, and this is why I love it, it's fair and equitable across the board. There's nothing in this that has to do with what's in your bank account or what your address is or any of those things. So what are some basic practices that people may have that would help them feel more of that interconnected with with all that is. Yeah, nature's my thing too. Actually, right here, I look out on nature. So my office, um, right this moment, I've got beautiful nature. And you can get there just by getting entrained, you know, with nature where you're really in that connection, deep connection state or the night sky with the stars and things or the sun coming up or going down. Uh, it's, oh, oof, you know, you feel this deep connection state that's just uh, you know, it's an entrainment where your heart starts beating with it. So the thing that we can do, that what anchors me throughout my day or is my daily practice, which runs throughout my day. 
Um, and so I can, it just sort of anchors me and I can stay in that place uh, throughout my day where uh, for me, it's very much of a metaphysical thing, an intentional thing. Um, it's evolved. You know, there's an unfolding with these things um, where you you have to start with what is really nurturing you and supporting you. Uh, and 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 your daily practice, what I found is I've got a, I'll, I'll even, even today, you know, I'll, I'll have new things I'll bring in and I'll bring it in and I don't feel any power. I don't feel like there's any real creation going on. And then I'll go to something else. And then I feel this massive power. So like, let me give you an example. So one of the things that brings massive power to me in my daily practice is um, there are more and more movies and books and scientists and things saying there's an existential crisis and they even label it. They say this sixth, sixth great massive extinction, you know, could be ahead and because we're overusing land and water and energy and stuff. Um, so what I bring into my daily practices, this work, what we're talking about here right now, it not only is creates this incredible thing for each of us, which has been kind of what our conversation is, but where we get to tipping point with it, eight to 10%, we thwart, we detour, we heal. Existential crisis, we heal this sixth great massive extinction. We just, we boom, you know, we detour out of it. And then future generations grow up with what we grew up with, this beautiful planet and nature. And, you know, we heal it because we're all living the way that we're talking about. So I bring that in. And then there's like a power of the universe is saying, yes. Uh, and these things, that I bring in of a whole world is awakening to this conscious living, uh, a new spirituality where we feel this deep entrainment and connection with, with this uh, super organism, you know, life around us and stuff. Uh, then there's a power, you know, in terms of really universe working through me and humanity's team and us here all together in terms of just really helping to invite people in to what this is and to live into it. And, for us to then collectively live into it. So that's just for me. But in the daily practice, the key thing is we find the things that feel incredibly powerful as we bring them into our daily practice. You'll know it. Your heart will jump a beat because uh, it's like, whoo, there's a pull. And, and those are the things we want to build into our daily practice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and schedule time for them just as much as we do time for going to our job or working out or cooking for our family. I think that's so important to make us and our our conscious awareness a priority in our in our daily life. I'm curious as to what your views are on things like destiny and free will and this interconnectedness. When when you felt compelled to reach out to to Neil Donald Walsh and, and work with him and start all of this, do you think that was part of your destiny? Do you think that was you listening to the still small voice within? What what do you think that was? Yeah, I think it's all of those things. I think, you know, when I was saying that first decision is we're going to be guided by that still small voice within is um, that is the voice of, of, I'll call it God or the divine, you know, or if people prefer the word universe, they can use that word. But uh, we actually are all have our own GPS system. Um, you, you talked earlier, well, you brought in this whole gurus outside of us and being, you know, schooled by gurus. No, uh, the, the, our whole teaching and humanities team is, no, if you don't go within, you go without. So that it's actually that, that sanctuary is within is where it is. And this is why the daily practices is so important where we can 
can can really quiet ourselves to feel, you know, from a, that wisdom center of our soul, what is true for us. And then we're guided through life we're, to doors that'll close, doors that'll open. Um, I do believe at this time when there are these massive challenges on the earth, a lot of us were born in, just like I believe you all were with the work you're doing uh, and us and humanities team to be a part of this pivot that's going on, this 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 massive shift. And so there was a mission, a purpose, and a destiny uh, for which we came into this life. And I bring that in during my daily practice too of, okay, I embodied, now let's bring it on. I'm counting on the universe to just mission, purpose, destiny, all of it. Let's just, let's, let's make it happen now. You know, just nothing's gonna detour this because uh, I do believe it's here for all of us um, it's just that we've got to, uh, I, I know I might make it sound here like it's all so easy and it's not. I, you know, again, if you read my story, 12 year old, divorced mom, uh, paid my way through college, paid for my braces when I was 12, you know, because my mother couldn't afford. So I grew up like everybody and I, I, I've had to work my way through these things too, where it just feels like they're boulders on top of you. But if you do this, the boulders become styrofoam. You move them out of the way and and you just and then your life unfolds into more and more and more is what yeah. I find. Well, even if they don't become styrofoam, I feel like when I'm going through challenging times, just understanding, like you were saying before, that there's a mission and, and a purpose and a reason for the good times and the bad times helps me helps me celebrate the good times more consciously and helps me get through the challenging times with more grace and faith. So I think it's really important to recognize that just because you're consciously awakened doesn't mean life is going to be easy breezy. Yeah. Let me share briefly, you know, just so again, people can see my reality because it's easy breezy. It is not. So uh, my wife and I adopted both of our kids at birth, open adoptions, which is great because you get then, you know, you can't love a kid too much, right? From natural birth parents and and the ones raising them and stuff. Uh, my oldest has agoraphobia. So this is where you've had a panic attack and you're, uh, you, you, you're afraid of going into panic attacks. And he has a really severe case. He's 21, soon going to be 22. Um, works with us in humanities team, does some of the social media with us. Very challenging. Uh, his agoraphobia is really challenged when Stephanie and I, my wife and I travel together. So uh, we're actually just soon going on a week-long trip, which we haven't done in over 10 years, you know, when you're, we're married, uh, because we're, you know, it's challenging for my son. So uh, I have, just like everybody, you know, there, there are massive challenges in my life, too. What I realized from this whole conscious journey thing is this was actually, and, and I get this in prayer and meditation, uh, what I'm told uh, is, you know, this was this is actually part of your life. This is not a random thing that this happened, Steve. The the work I'm doing was was to include this as an element where I can become stronger, you know, through these challenges. Where I can, where I can, where I'm telling people here, you know, let's walk through them, make styrofoam of boulders, or at least make it easier. I can. Well, I am too. You know, it's not like I don't have massive things. So. It's a part of my life. And of course, I, you know, my daily practice, I see, see my son getting better and living his full life and launching himself and stuff. But, you know, we're not there yet. It's still faith and not fact. Yeah. Into every life, a little rain shall fall, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 
you know, we all have stuff. And your son is right in that age, the little late late teens, early twenties. A lot of people have this big awakening and all of a sudden they start to realize it. But when I talk to a lot of folks or I, I worked with that age population for quite a while in my career, that they're the pivot. Your son is that pivot age right now. Your daughter's Samantha, that that age. My sons are a little bit older, but I can see, and, and I'm not saying this with disrespect, I'm saying it with admiration, they're wired differently. And they're here for this shift that's coming through. And we've been getting it ready. It's like, we're all holding a torch saying, okay, I'll, I'll light your torch when you're ready. And I think that there is a lot of anxiety and depression overwhelm because there's a lot on their shoulders of, the blunt version, excuse me, is holy shit, we have to step up. It, we have to step into this because we're here for this pivot. And we've all talked to so many people lately that have been saying, I know there's something more I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not quite sure what it is. So thank you for your work because I feel like it's giving people something to say, okay, I can do this. And I did come for something and I am going to be able to to help humanity and, and this consciousness. So it's big stuff. Yeah, thank you. And back at you all you, with your with your uh, podcast. So, same thing. You. You're out in the world, just extending your reach and impact, which is beautiful. And uh, and this, and I agree. You know, the younger generation, I think, does have this. They were born into the world at this time, and they've got special uh, gifts, which which many see as as challenges and not gifts. Uh, so we do want to see them for for who they are, and and. Um, you know, coming off a year like last year with the extreme weather and wars and things, you can see how if you were young, you know, wow, this yeah. would be, you could experience some real anxiety. So um, I think that the young people are also asking questions that I didn't really ask at that age. Do you know what I mean? Like my, my oldest is the same as your son. She's uh, 21. She's a senior in college. And the summer before her senior year, she had a full-time internship. And she so she stayed at college and she would call me every day and she'd go, Mom, is this what adulthood is like? She said, I get home at 5:30. I fight the traffic. I make dinner. And then I have no energy to go out with my friends to go to the gym. I'm just a blob watching reality TV or TikToks. This can't be my life. And she had such an existential crisis. And I thought, well, no, honey, like, you know, it doesn't have to be your life. You can find a way out of it. You can create your own career path. But yeah, for a little bit, this is going to be your life. And I, I hung up the phone with her on several of those phone calls. And I thought, I did the same thing. You know, I had internships in college. And I don't know. I don't remember having those thoughts. Is this my whole life? I was just trying to, I don't know, get to Friday. <laughs> I think kids are just more aware now. And so, yes, that might involve some anxiety and some um, worry and all of that. But I think it's a good thing, like Denise and you are saying, that it's it is it is indicative of a pivot happening with these young people. Yeah, and I think many of these young people are asking the tougher questions, you know, of how is my work environment contributing to a better homes, community, world? Uh, the whole when I was starting out out of college, you know, they give you just a there's a five hundred dollar award for the most sales, you know, and of widgets, and you know. The, the, the current generation is, what do the widgets do? Are they helping anybody? You know, they're asking the right questions. They want to, they want to know that uh, we're, we're, there's some, some good that's coming out of this work and they're aligning themselves with that and God bless them. Um, you know, there's, they're more mature in that way. So 
we're all this is this migration to conscious living thing and i i call this the age of consciousness i think you know 10 15 20 years as they look back they'll call it the age of consciousness because the biggest thing that's going on that's underreported by the press and the media is is this elevation of consciousness where we're seeing we're not this separated you know just a body individual which we kind of put at the center of today's universe you know it's a spiritual universe we're a part of the super organism we're a cell in its body we want to be a healthy red blood cell or white blood cell we don't want to be you know a cancer cell in this body doing silly things that aren't good for our homes and community and world and that's what i think people more and more are living into uh, and that's what takes us to tipping point where there's just a whole new way of living on the earth. Yeah. Yeah. My sister teaches at elementary school and they're trying to implement conscious discipline into the curriculum, which does introduce ideas such as meditation and focused thought. And so there's a lot of hope, I think, as and I think you're right. I think this will go down as as the age of consciousness. I never thought about it that way. That's that's actually absolutely spot on. Tell people how they can find your book and tell us more about your streaming platform. You bet. So you can find the book. The, the title is A New Universal Dream. So you can go to anewuniversaldream.com and the first chapters are opened up so you can read them and just see if it's for you. And then um, we've created, I've created a number of masterclasses. The first one I created is on conscious leadership. And if you enter your receipt number, after you buy it from your bookstore or Amazon or wherever, uh, then we give you that free, it's a $299 masterclass right now. So it's kind of a good deal. You get that masterclass with the book that you purchased. So that's at a newuniversaldream.com. Now, uh, humanitiesteam.org with a Y, that's one word, humanitiesteam.org. Uh, so if you go there, to the humanities team website, then all of the, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, all of the things we're doing, the free programs, all of that stuff is there. Uh, humanity Stream Plus is the streaming platform. You can also Google that. That's humanitystream.net to go straight there, or you can go through the humanities team website. And we have hundreds of these transformational education programs on the platform. Um, and it's more than just a platform. It's really a community because its whole idea is because we have live programs every day and there we do uh, people go through master classes every week together, viewing parties, you know, where they watch the master classes together and they go, wow, you know, I was blown away by this, but I have questions about that. And there's a chat that's quite active, you know, as people are going through these programs. So all of this stuff uh, is part of this humanity stream plus uh, thing. The other, let me mention one other thing. Um, this conscious living is so important that uh, the other co-founder, Neil Donald Walsh, and I recently created a masterclass called uh, well, the, the, the free program is called Accelerating Your Conscious Evolution, which you'll find on the Humanities Team website. And then it leads into a masterclass called uh, The Art and Science of Living Consciously. And we did something we've never done. Not sure we'll be able to do again because we have payroll, but we, we the, the masterclass is so important with its 16 modules and, and mentoring is we said, you can name your own price on this one. So if you don't have a nickel to your name, you can go through this masterclass. It invites you to just name your own price because the things we're talking about are so important and there's, there's a lot more, you know, we're kind of skimming the surface here uh, that we said, let's just get it all into a masterclass. We spent nine months creating this thing. Uh, and then people can go through and you you will 
again, you know, our sanctuary, inner, inner sanctuary is where we make our decisions. So this isn't the old Moses thing of thou shalt. This is you. We'll go through all this. And then you go into your daily practice and say, this is true for me, you know, or this one isn't true for me. So you get to decide what tools from these programs you want to bring into your own life. But we do lay all the tools on the table or many of them. So you might want to check that out. It's called, a, again, the Art and Science of Living Consciously. It's on the Humanities Team website. Well, that's fantastic. We'll put those um, those links in our show notes and I'll post a, I'll make a post for Facebook too so people can find it more easily. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And just, you know, I don't know if you want me to just say a few more words as far as call to action and stuff. But sure. Happy to do that. So, yeah, I would, you know, the most important thing is, um, is really this whole, it was my third one there in those decisions, you know, that self-identification, self-realization is, I totally believe that every one of us is an equal um, and, and, and full part of the one, you know, so you could, if we want to use the word, the divine, that we're actually, you know, a part of the divine, you know, this the made in the likeness and image uh, where I was, I was in the Catholic church growing up, altar boy and all of that. It's actually true. You know, you're made in the likeness and image. You're, you're part of, you were delivered here by the most high. And, and I just, I would urge people, don't let that go. Don't, don't make that just a three minute thing on Sunday where you read past it and you go on and, you know, well, what are we, what movie are we going to see today? Internalize that, let that in, you know, uh, be, see and feel who you really are. Um, Cause life is such an incredible invitation and opportunity, you know, and just, we don't want to miss it. This is my, my invitation. Beautifully said. Well, it's incredible. Thank you. And thank you for the work you're doing because it's causing a ripple effect. And that's the key. You know, anything, and I say this a lot and I believe it in my soul, anything each of us can do to raise our own vibration and help someone else raise theirs is it's, it's going to shift things. Yeah. And it feels so good, doesn't it? So, it does. So why would we keep doing it? It feels so right. good. Yeah. So and we're you, so lucky to be here and be part of it. Yeah. Really. I mean, what a fascinating time to be on the planet. Absolutely. Part of the big shift, this pivot into this whole new way of conscious way of living on that planet. Exactly right. So, and and it feels good. So boy, if we can get in that groove, wow, you know, you're going to stay in that groove if you get in the groove. Love it. Everybody, please check out Steve Farrell. Look at our show notes for the links. Check out his book, A New Universal Dream. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Steve, for coming on the show. And everyone, please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>